When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. We've got three topics that we've kind of universally agreed on. So we're going to look at, first and foremost, whether we think FSG have been good owners. Um, we want to look at like what what type of owners we would be comfortable with or what we're looking for in, 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 in any potential buyers. Um, and what did we say the third one was? Are you excited? Yes, that was about it. See how much I'm not. Uh, <laughs> I don't have no thoughts about that at all. Yeah, and whether there's obviously yeah, whether there's potential excitement that comes with with this as well down the line. Um, so yeah, look, let's dive into it. Uh, by the way, if you're a Club Legend subscriber, please do use the Discord. Uh, the live show chat channel is open right now. We've already got the Scouser uh, X, A Heart, um, Scott T, uh, all dropping their opinions in so far. We'll read through some of them as we go along as well. Um, Dan, yeah, FSG, 12 years at the helm. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks like it's coming to an end or the beginning of the end, certainly. And yeah, it's a very simplistic question for what I think is quite a complex answer. But in your opinion, have, have they been good owners? I think, you'd, I think you'd have to say yes. And we touched on this earlier upstairs. I think the, the best thing they ever did was right at the start in terms of taking over the club when we were in the doldrums. We were in a really bad state and nobody yeah. quite knew what was going to happen. There was fears about the club's existence, quite frankly. It was really bad. So the greatest thing they ever did for this football club was take over. Um, absolutely no two ways about that. But again, I said it earlier on, I think... They've took us so far time and time again, off the pitch and on the pitch. And you think, yeah, they're doing really great work. They get sort of 90% of the way there and then they let themselves down in one way, shape or form. Whether it be they don't reinvest and they don't kick on and go again. They say, oh, this is great. We're winning stuff, but we won't double down on that. They stop and they've done the same off the field as well because they do really good stuff. And then they've let themselves down by a really poor decision as well. Yeah, it, it, it's. I really struggle with it because... And there's a good point actually made in the in, in the Discord here by, uh, excuse me, when I find that one just very quickly. Oh yeah, Scotty says when taking where we were and where we are now into consideration, I don't think you can say they were bad owners. Um, and then he mentions the the dodgy the decisions, which I guess we'll come to in conversation. But that's the that's kind of the tricky point for me. Is that I if I was coming at this more recently then I'd have a bigger problem. But I find it really hard personally to detach the whole where Liverpool were and the the situation we were in when they came into the club. Um, So the before and after, it matters to me in my evaluation of it. And me, you know, we were 
foolish to believe you could get by and, and stay dominant forever playing five-a-sides and, and, and boot-room scenario and we didn't build the infrastructure and take it forward <coughs> to the 21st century. And mm-hmm. That's the reality of where we, the, Moyes fam, the Moores family decided to move out yeah. and find investors who could take the club forward financially. We know how that went with Gillette and Hicks. We know the mess that, that, that ensued and followed on from that. And if you, if you look at the club now, you look at the ground, you look at the infrastructure in place, the, the likes of facts that we've had, Michael Edwards, we've got Julian Ward, we've got Peter Moores, you've got the AXA. You know, they've had to speculate to accumulate to do two things. One, to, to li- drag Liverpool kicking and screaming into the 21st century and make them compete again. Mm-hmm. And the second one is grow their investment because this is all about return on investment for FSG. And yeah. we've always known that. They never said they would compete financially with the big spenders in, in the transfer market. There's no quote that ever says that. So I think if you take it and look at it in isolation now and look at Liverpool Football Club as an entity, it is the strongest on and off the pitch it's ever been. Mm-hmm. And for Forbes value of the football club tells you that much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and yeah, and, and again, that's that's the thing with all of this is I think there's a dangerous rhetoric to get lost in, and I think and this this stems from I thought Neil Atkinson summed up really 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 well when he did the podcast with us the other day about how you don't want owners' names on banners and you don't want them to be like you know like you don't want them to be like celebrity figures associated with your club. It was tainted a bit by how much of a hatred there was towards the previous owners mm-hmm. and how, how horrendously Hicks and Gillette had run the football club and how and just yeah how how angry that left the fan base and in the fight for getting them out getting them out of the club. And what developed out of this and I'm glad it went away, but this idea that FSG saved Liverpool has become a bit of a, a, a it's just a, an expression. Mm. And I can get why in in the literal sense I can understand the meaning behind it, but I don't like the heroic connotations that come with it as though Somehow, you know, like Superman saves people, doctors and nurses save people in the real world. You know, there are real heroes. Mm. They didn't. They performed a shrewd, canny piece of business by picking up a a very, very valuable asset on on the cheap, um, which had the knock-on impact of of saving Liverpool from potential points deductions mm. and relegation, and you know that because that's how how dire the, the the financial situation and the situation on the yes, pitch was at the time. Um, but it was a, that's the thing is I, I see that as a stick beating with people as in they did they saved and people they never saved and and the, the truth lies was they didn't really save Liverpool because I think that, again it carries just that word carries a lot of weight mm. it wasn't a an heroic selfless act from Nesvi slash FSG it was a bunch of very very smart investors who clued themselves up into that world and, and bought and bought a, a business a business asset which has led us to this situation where they could turn over they could make a three and a half billion profit on it yeah absolutely and that was always their end game wasn't it like like Steve references there there was absolutely no two ways about it they are very shrewd business people and then and they got in at the right time from their perspective didn't they um but like you say it was it was fearful at the time for Liverpool fan perspective we didn't quite know what was happening we never experienced much like it before in our lifetime so for them to come in and everything kind the, the, the shift to be righted again if you like it was obviously a good experience but yeah I think they were like Caesar, they were never likely to sort of compete that was never their promise that was never their will and them getting out now shouldn't come as a huge surprise because the profit on their investment is absolutely skyrocketed it's, it's as good as ever going to be potentially so the fact that they might be sort of Maneuver themselves into position to move on shouldn't really surprise anyone. Yeah, and I, I think when you go back, when you go back to the sort of to the start with them, their their regime has been plagued by mistakes, mm-hmm. plagued. And I say, I don't know. The problem is, we, 
I don't understand the context enough, and by, by that I mean, it's like when you talk about the stats of a footballer, and you could say, well, like, you know, unless you're an expert, I mean, goals and assists stack up, and appearances, really easy stats to track, and very basic, basic things to understand. But when you talk about like again like the the slightly leads to slightly more complicated statistics. So when you get into the world the realms of XG and pressing stats and all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. it's great when you see oh or even like um, pass completion became we became obsessed with pass completion under Brendan Rodgers as an example. Without really go, you can go well he's got a ninety percent pass completion. State. Well, I actually didn't know who the other best midfielders in the league. What what were their pass completion stats? How how did that how do you contextualize that alongside mm. the rest of football? So when I say Plagued by errors, I don't know whether they are, or it was a perfectly normal amount of errors compared to ownership groups of other other Premier League clubs. But my overriding sense with the Liverpool blinkers on was, and it, and, and it again, it was ones mentioned um, by Scott T there, and we'll just run through them. Uh, handling of Daglish ticket prices, Super League mm-hmm. is just a, just a few. I'm sure we can we can name more in addition to that. Oh yeah, Fairlow and staff. Yeah. Trying to trademark the name Liverpool, mm-hmm. all these kind of things. Um, they've got tons of things wrong along the way. We have to be absolutely clear about that. Again, there's no idea that these are like shining knights who've been perfect by mm. the letter, perfect owners or perfect Liverpool owners. I think the criticism you can you can level at them is they don't read the room particularly well in terms of the, the football club and, initially, and it's, yeah, yeah, and, no. and its fan base. And whilst they came along exactly the right time for us and the right time for them, so it kind of works in that regard. Um, doing things like ticket prices and uh, trying to trademark Liverpool and then being sort of founder members of the conversation around the European Super League challenges everything that the the, the, the true Reds believe to be goes against the fabric of what we do as a football club. Yeah. They've got that really, really wrong. And I think credit to them to come out and recognise it, but they had to do that. So that, that apology by John Henry is, is a massive PR stunt to basically recover mm-hmm. the ground. In that regard, there's loads of room for criticism. In that regard, there's lots of room for our fans to be very disappointed with how they've conducted themselves. That, for me, was, was, was more a case of how do we get the last final pounds out of this project so we, we try and trademark the word Liverpool that adds massive value to the, to the brand that they created and that's what they created they, they've yeah. created a brand <clears throat> they didn't buy scarves and stand on the cop and sing will never walk alone they came for the money yeah. and, and we all recognise that so yeah they, they've not done everything well they've done some things really really bad things which have been you know caused uproar amongst the fans but they have listened because they had no choice to listen. So, so yeah, and, giving and, and, a little bit of that back to the fans to say, we will listen to you. But the damage of not listening to the fans was greater than pursuing their, their idea, ideas, I suppose. The problem with those, and I can understand, is that it breaks trust. Mm. Yeah. Um, and it, it erodes trust in some and breaks it, breaks it for others because everyone's got their own personal breaking points when it comes to these things, whether you know, set of personal morals or just or, or, or whatever. And it, and it, because the thing is, I would let's play, play devil's advocate on this. I think I, I think I do kind of believe this is that after a while, you've got you look at a body of behaviour and say, well, if you if you keep pushing these buttons without really consulting before. Now, the Super League is the is the the, the big one for me on this, mm-hmm. by the way. Because, I, I, honestly, when I look at the furlough thing, I look at it from I look at it from how many businesses, how many actual British businesses 
furloughed staff. Loads of them did. And it was about, you know, if you were just a retail chain, loads of retail chains, furloughed staff. Liverpool should have been able, I think, to furlough, like, the retail staff and the mm-hmm. people working on the, on the, you know, on the, on the kiosks and all that. Because in that regard, that's a retail business, the same as, the same as any other. I thought that was a bit hyped because people just love, love to take pot shots at, at footy. But the Super League stuff was borderline unforgivable. Mm-hmm. And, and by that, I mean it was a decision that was taken removed from the football club and it was all removed from the football people at the club it was taken at a top a top level on, on almost on another continent away from from everything and done so almost underhandedly um that it makes you think and when you add in things like ticket prices and you add in the other, the other bit the project big picture and all those kind of stuff yeah. it speaks <clears throat> to well if we weren't such a strong fan base and didn't have spirit of Shankly and didn't have such a a, 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 a a history of like trade unionism and that kind of stuff within the city, would they have gotten away with it? Mm. And would they have reversed, reversed it? And the answer is no, which says they're not actually they're not great people, they're not great owners, they're not they're, you know they are they would they would it's like a Scooby Doo villain. I'd have gotten away with it if it wasn't for you pesky supporters. Yeah, yeah. And I can understand why that's the kind of thing that would have turned tons of people against them because you see behind it, it's like well yeah you've you turned, but it's like saying you got caught cheating and go well. If, and they go and then apologise like well I'm sorry but would you have stopped or would you have apologised if you'd not been caught yeah, and, and you know if, if they'd been able to get the Super League over the line there'd have been no consultation it would have just been a thing you know we very nearly ended up out of the Premier League because of a decision that was taken in Boston and mm. not one that was in the thing so that's where I, I have a lot of sympathy for people who've got no time for the owners Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think you're absolutely spot on there. The minute they signed on the dotted line for that Super League, and again, like C says, they were one of the founder members. They weren't just sort of ad hoc involved. They were front and centre of it, if you like. Um, the minute they got us involved in that, it was, for many, I think, the straw that broke the camel's back because you add up all the other stuff that they've done, the decisions they've made. And I think the point, moreover, is like we've all said already, they are businessmen. They're not in it for the love of the football club. They're in it for dollars. They're in it for money. And... That's what it all boils down to for me. And the reason being, if we hadn't have sort of kicked up a fuss about any of these issues, whether it be the Super League, the tickets, obviously we remember the walkout with the mm-hmm. tickets and all that sort of stuff, if all that wouldn't have happened, every single one of these bad decisions that they made would have just gone through. Yeah. And we'd be living it now. We'd be yeah. living the Super League. We'd be living higher ticket prices, et cetera, et cetera. So you're dead right. It doesn't boil down to them seeing the error of their ways and going, oh, no, we've messed up here. Like in-house, this is seeing the reading of the room and the reaction and going, oh, no, we can't do this because we're going to lose so much power and I think the, the Super League one in particular you, you said um, Paul that it happened on a different continent and happened almost blindsided it blindsided the fan base but it seemed like it blindsided like the Klopp and the players because yes. remember the game at Leeds and that is what is so unforgivable for me when it comes down to the owners because you can say what you like about them but when the figurehead of the football club clearly has no idea what's going on in Jürgen Klopp that's a big no-no for me yeah no and that's, a, that, that's part and parcel of it as much as He's been very glowing. He's been very effusive in his in his you know when he talks about his relationship with the ownership group. I, I've I've been, and again, everyone's nicer to the everyone is nice to the boss. You wouldn't be a, you know, you're not a prick to your boss because you're on a hand to nothing if you are that. But you know, I've been within a handful of meters of him talking to them. I couldn't hear what they were saying. I, I, I very nearly did a sketch where I had the, I had the video of it and I was going to do voiceovers for it, but never got around <laughs> to that. Um, but like. There was a really cordial, sort of you know, jovial sort of friendship there. We know we don't see him with Mike Gordon. We don't see Mike Gordon often at all. But you know, all the reports come from Janos is very them to a very very close. They've got they've got a beyond a business relationship now because they 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 do like 
get on that well. They do have their their, their views align on a whole con- on a whole number of things from football to life. Um, but you're right, is that even him? I mean, even he's clearly had some issues, and I think we're starting to see the cracks in it. In the, in the last month or so, when he started to, and it depends on how you interpret this a bit, Steve. Because when he talks about there's clubs that can just do what they want, mm. you can take that as like, well, I, I don't I don't think that's a call for him to want to uh, just to be owned by another to be another club who can do what they want. But it was a fair assessment, and it was of of the the football landscape a bit. But when he starts to talk a little bit, what we could maybe have done with. X, Y, and Z. You do start to sense the frustrations. We've all got a limited shelf life. In our life, we've got so many years on the on the yeah. earth. He lost one because of the you know because of the, the COVID season in terms of Liverpool being a productive productive outfit. There would be a frustration, I think, from him this season, looking at what he's got available and having to have a season of fighting to make things work mm. rather than a, a smoother process. If Liverpool had been able to just chuck a little bit more money. Into the transfer kitty, for example, in the summer. Yeah, take the uh, Tushimani transfer, for instance, mm-hmm. that Real Madrid paid a lot more for him than, than we were ever envisaged we would pay. So, are we a club that puts their eggs in one basket, or are we a club with limited finances? He's never really bridged that notion or challenged that ideology in the fan base. He's kind of, you have to, because there, there is employers at the end of the day, and it wouldn't be good for his career to sit there and do a Pochettino and, and rip the regime to bits and say, I'm not happy with this, I'm not happy with that. Mm. That doesn't get anyone anywhere. But you're right. Certainly when he said to the um, journalist, you're right, we needed somebody mm-hmm. in, in the summer. There's the first signs that, that he recognises that too. But he's a he's a very philosophical man, so he, he, probably the most philosophical man well, in football right say now. Fair is the idea of that is of like, well, this is the reality. This is where we are. I could sit mm. and cry about what what's not happened, and I could I can stress about what might happen. Yeah. The reality is here we are, and it's what I've got to got to deal with. Yeah. Which again, I suppose you'd argue makes him the perfect the, the perfect manager for owners like this because he he is he's not the kind of guy who's gonna go who's not gonna run up the flagpole and 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 kick off. I, I I see that as a I I see that as a positive, but I can understand how that might be seen as a. But that's why the negative. fans take it upon themselves to do it for him. And yeah. That's why we have yeah. this issue with FSG in terms of they should have spent this and they should have spent that. Let's not forget they've been building Liverpool up to a point where they can get maximum revenue, lending or giving Liverpool hundreds of millions of pounds to improve their squad reduces the value of the football club in a roundabout way. They haven't done what the Glazers did. We don't have a £600 million loan, which we paid a billion pounds worth of interest in, on that yeah. loan. So it's, it's got lots right, but the things they've got wrong, they've got really wrong. And I can yeah. understand the frustration amongst the fan base. My problem with this, and I think where FSG might be on this when it comes to how good owners they are, and we've got some really, really, again, some really solid comments on this. Um, uh, we've got one from Titchley. On the basis of running a business, 100% brilliant owners, you go as far to say that as a business that followed FFP, they were probably the best at it, mm-hmm. but on a football level, understanding what football means to us as fans, what fans had to go through, then they cocked it. Um, and I think that's the thing. Uh, on the business side, I think, is the interesting, the interesting point of this. And where football has been totally skewed and our view of football has been totally skewed, and it's, it's by two of the three clubs that Jürgen Klopp mentioned the yep. other week. And obviously Newcastle are new to the party, so we can't put any blame on them. Blame can go back to Roman Abramovich buying into Chelsea, but in re- what what they certainly had a big pa- impact on this. But PSG in particular are the ones responsible for the, the sort of, I would say, plight when football's at its most valuable of all time. <laughs> but 
the situation that we've seen face down and, and actually the reason why the Super League was being forced into action and why the Spanish clubs in particular were so keen on it because there was a keeping up with the Joneses element to it and we've got it with Man City and we're looking at Man City and when you just watch football and you don't pay attention to the top line stuff you just look at Man City winning all the time mm-hmm. and you look at the old thing and you look at them being able to just go well that £50 million player is not worth bin him off and we'll buy another £50 million mm-hmm. player and they're able to just where they're able to just go yeah doesn't matter does yeah it? we'll have a look and move on mm-hmm. as opposed to having to having to squeeze every ounce out of every single asset that you own to get the, to get the most out of it but you look at the, to go back to the PSG point the reason why Barcelona are goosed is because Paris Saint-Germain exists yeah. and because what they were able to do, their, their business plan was to inflate the market because what you do is you then, because you can afford whatever you want, you just drive others out of business for it. It's like if you, you know, you see this in like, it's like Tesco's versus your local corner shop. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, go, into te- go into Tesco's and see how much it costs to buy six jam donuts and it costs like, 80p mm. and you imagine if you were a corner bakery how on earth are you able to do to do that and they're not just making eight they're making 200 you know what i mean and, and a local bakery you can't compete because mass the mass availability of products and, 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 and collective bargaining power and all that kind of stuff makes it much easier for supermarkets to force those out of business but if you're trying to fight against them it's John Henry versus the versus the you know the steam driving machine you know that that kind of stuff you're gonna just kill yourself yeah, yeah. and that's where we, I think all of our understandings of where world football have gone, asked about tit, is because we're now left in a world where we, we, are, we are having to question our models and maybe having to throw our models onto the fire just for the chance of, for the chance, and that's all it is, by the way, of being slightly more competitive against Manchester City and being more competitive against PSG's and Real Madrid's in the mm-hmm. Champions League, which I is my real overall concern with this. Yeah, that that's a frightening prospect of it all, isn't it, really? But yeah, I think FFP was absolutely integral to the FSG ownership. Yes. They've almost said that themselves. I think Jurgen Klopp has touched on the point as well. And we've been very fortunate in many ways, and I mean many ways, to have Jurgen Klopp at the helm throughout this period because any other manager would have been toys out the pram quite a long time ago, I think, with what was going on, and they'd have walked years ago, potentially. But Klopp is the perfect man for a working FFP model. It simply doesn't work. Yeah. And our owners are also the perfect owners for that model. Again, doesn't work. It's broken. hasn't worked since day one. Therefore, your Man City's and PSG's of this world can just dictate what happens and just run the whole market. And that's where we fell short, isn't it, in many ways, because we haven't been able to keep up with the Joneses. And, and that's another reason. I think there's a few reasons, but that's another reason, I think, I think FSG are kind of, well, they are looking to get out right now because I think they know it's run its course. Mm-hmm. They know FFP is can't be put into practice. It doesn't work. And they've gone, that's too rich for our blood. Yeah. We can't continue to do that. And yeah, I don't really want to, They might have the best interest of the club at heart in many senses by going, listen, we can't afford to keep up with what's going on in the world. So someone else can have a go. Because for us, we've made our profit. We've made our money. We'll get out now while yeah. we can. Someone else can try and keep up with them. Yeah, no, and, and again, you know, there's, there's a bit where it goes next, and we'll come on to that in, in topic two, of course, like how, you know who, who comes in and what, mm. we, what we'd like to see in that regard. But, you know, I, I don't think, I'd like to hope there's a little bit of sentiment in there for having been involved for so, for so long in terms of who it gets handed over to. But you're right, mm. it, you know, the, I, I, look at, I look at it from, a, if you look at it from a pure business perspective, why would you want the Premier, I don't understand why you'd want to buy a Premier League team unless you wanted it as a, as a sports washing vehicle. Because I don't see where the money is to be made. The only money to be made is in what and how they've done it. And and, and again, where, where it gets a little bit lost sometimes, I still see people saying, oh, they, taken, they haven't taken money out of Liverpool. 
In fact, they have actually put money into the club. They have actually, you know, in loans. There's, there was loans to build the stands. You know what I mean? Yeah. To, to, for the for the training. Been good at that, that respect. Kind of stuff. Really yeah, good, yeah, exactly. You know, the it's it's part of a portfolio. So you, it's one of those like it's those really hard things to follow because most of us look at what value is and go, it's money that, that you've got in your bank. It's money you can take out and spend on things. Whereas your actual net worth in a business sense is about what you own. And that's how you value a, a person or a company or, 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 or a group. And so there, I can't understand why you would want to. You wouldn't want to, I don't think you'd want to singularly own Liverpool because there's, there's four Champions League places. That it might go to five in the, in, the, in the next year or two with the change, of, the change of rules. But they're still legitimately now, because of Newcastle in particular, there's a chance City and Newcastle are now two permanent fixtures in those, in those places. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then you're fighting for three. So of those three, and, we, and, and even if we just look at it this season, we, we have a constant debate over who's going to finish in the top four. And everyone goes, City, Defo. So there's three places. And those three places are between, right now, Arsenal, Manchester United, Tottenham Hotspur, uh, Chelsea and Liverpool. Mm-hmm. That's five football clubs for the remaining three yeah. for the remaining three places and that doesn't factor in Newcastle are going to start to be in that conversation and there's a bunch of other clubs who've been on the fringes of it who come in and out so like a Leicester coming out of nowhere and win and win the title and take up one of those places that one season rare but it happens mm-hmm. every now and again someone get I mean Leicester two seasons on the bounce were what a point away from finishing in the, in the top four so then there's a chance there's, there's six clubs for, for three places and that money is so huge by comparison to being in the Champions League to not being in the Champions League. I don't understand why any entity that isn't treating it as a plaything or it isn't stupid or isn't doing some sort of dodgy leverage thing where they'll be like Ala Hicks and Gillette, where you're just not going to... It's a huge gamble, a huge gamble, because if you do fall out and there's every chance... It's a sport. It's not like... Mm. It's not a certainty where you get to physically move the assets around and then you end up in that. It's not as simple as buy best players, win more trophies. It can be a bit like that. Mm. But it's not because any is it's football and the beauty of football is that any team can beat any team on their on their day. So that's what I think is, and I, that's why I think in some regards it's it's. I think I think they've conducted themselves pretty well. The fact that they've made it a self-sustaining business in that regard, and they clearly haven't done it as a as a cash grab to steal to steal money or to you know to sell like the the land surrounding Anfield because God I asked Coventry City by the way what yeah. it's like to have owners who who take your stadium away from you yeah. you know like that CSU group that's owned Coventry like it's an app that is an absolute disgrace yeah. what's gone on there and there's loads more examples like all beforehand so you just say I think those, you're, yeah. you're right FSG have, have maximised the investments the return on investment for Liverpool not going to be worth too much more in any guys going forward anytime soon and all roads for everything they've done and you mentioned the stands and I get that and the loans all roads to everything FSG lead back to where we are today and the top figure they can get for the football club mm-hmm. and they've never hidden that and we've always known that I guess Liverpool Football Club is slightly different to say Chelsea in that regard in, in that if you buy Liverpool Football Club as an Arabian Prince for instance you're buying it for the status of owning Liverpool Football mm. Club and one of the biggest football club yeah. brands in world football if you're buying Chelsea you're buying Chelsea to buy their, their heritage to buy their history to buy whatever they become in the next 20, 30, 40 years if you choose to keep it that long in Liverpool you're buying a ready-made marketing machine that's got heritage it's got history and it's the kudos so mm-hmm. so so an individual person with 50 billion could quite easily buy it as a rich man's toy similarly to what Abramovich set out to do with Chelsea yeah. 
but without the need to buy your history. Yeah. And that, 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 but that's a huge danger for me because again, look at Chelsea. At the minute, we're still living in like the the aftermath, the embers of of the of the Abramovich era. You know that club is still actually being sustained by what Roman Abramovich did. You know, what I mean, the top bowlers not had enough time to put, and they've not invested. They've not they've not put enough new players in there yet for it to not. It's still Roman Abramovich's football club. They've just added a few bells and whistles in, in, in the short term. It's that. If it comes, if it is the plaything of one person, then we're back on this cycle. We always will be, no matter who owns it. It's always going to be a temporary thing because we're we're the fans. We're going to stick around forever, and that's the most important part. Although that is the thing that will come into question, depending on who then takes over. Will how many fans will will be able to stomach if it, if it goes to if it goes to completely the wrong hands? Um, and that's my thing on this is I I can't state this enough. I I don't. I just honestly don't have a strong opinion on FSG. I really don't. Like you I mean, I don't. I certainly, I certainly don't have. I don't harbour deep rooted like nastiness or you know like antipathy towards them. Like I reserve that for very, very few people and institutions in life. The Conservatives. Manchester United Football Club and all of their footballers, past and present. You know what I mean? Like you know, you know, Nazis, great call, great call. Yeah, Nazis. Great you know what call. I mean? Like people, people who abuse children. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you know, these these are the kind of people you should you should be hating in, in life. Absolutely. Apologies yeah. to Manchester United fans, by the way. Not the others. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Um, but, you know, so, I, I, it, and again, I, when you look at it, and I look at it from a sporting perspective as well, because that's what a lot, of the, a lot of these debates are centered on this. And I think this is where the, where the most important debate will lie. Because the counterpoint I'm seeing, and I'm seeing it in a sense from like... Um, I think it's the scouser here in the in the, in the club legend saying um, 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 he says uh, I totally understand what you've been talking about you know the the idea of like it keeping morals he said but right now I'm just like fuck it and there's lots of people saying the only way we can kind of compete now is to just is just to take take the the, the big money and run with it all of the counterpoints I'm seeing are all based around trophies. Yeah. They're all based around success, so it's, we want to guarantee Liverpool's place at the top table. And I don't think there's a single Liverpool fan who doesn't want to see Liverpool as the team that wins every trophy every year. 
Mm-hmm. And which is quite funny because we're rallying against. In my, I always find the irony of rallying against the people who own the football club when we come closer than any other team in sporting history to winning every trophy that you can win in a year. Yeah, by yeah. the way, but that's ha 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 to achieve. Um, when I look at what's been won in, in the time that they've been in charge, mm-hmm. I think there's been seven Premier League winners in the last twelve years. One of them being us it's been one that's been you know obviously we co- they come in at the tail end of the Manchester United so Man United have won two league titles City have won two three four five six I think in that time Chelsea have picked up a couple Leicester have got one um, and obviously we've got one as well I might be slightly getting the math wrong on that but if you're watching that you can see it on the screen um, in terms of the um so, so five, five, sorry, five champion, Premier League winners, seven Champions League winners in that time. Mm-hmm. So the, uh, of that, Real Madrid, Chelsea, Bayern Munich, us, Barcelona. Um, uh, yeah, I think I've named them all. Well. Oh no, sorry, <laughs> I'm getting this so wrong. It's the other way round. Apologies, it's one or the other. Just count them out. I had this. Bit, I, I was working this out in my head while we've been talking, and I've catastrophically cocked this up. The point is, is that. And I, when you look at it as well, and I would contend that it doesn't really matter because we only really add the silver. You can only really add the silver. You can only count the silver you've won. Mm-hmm. Is I'm not. And a lot of these arguments do fall down if you're wedded to the idea that a transfer, <coughs> one transfer, can solve all of your problems, or two transfers, or three transfers. Then seeing Liverpool losing in finals is seen as a failure of recruitment. Mm-hmm. Whereas, and I think if you ask Jurgen Klopp this as well, to be perfectly honest, I think it, you know. When you boil it down to one game of football, he'll always believe that you'll win it. You can win. You can win one game of football. You just can't because we've done yeah. it plenty of times. You know, we, again, if you, if it was meant to be that way, we should have been. Barcelona should have wiped the floor with us in the semi final. You mm-hmm. don't get through those kind of situations. AC Milan should have absolutely. I mean, they did, but didn't. AC Milan should have walked us in two thousand and five. But the thing is, you can you can engineer wins in, in, in one off games of football. So as much as I don't count losing the Europa League final and the League Cup final in, in Jürgen's first season, I don't count them as trophies. I don't count Kiev as a trophy. I don't count um, Paris yeah. as a trophy. I don't. You know, I, I don't. But there is a sliding doors scenario in all of those football games where, like, we lose the League Cup on pens. You know, mm. in, in in his first season, we're mm. winning the game against. Sevilla, you know, Daniel Sturridge scores an absolute fucking belter. About for God, we run out, we run out of steam, and all these kind of things. Paris again, it's it's a, it's a one snapshot goal in the midst of a, you know, a, a much bigger, more problematic thing going on around. Losing Mo Salah in the final in, in Kiev. Mm-hmm. If the some of these key things, sometimes they go for you, and sometimes they go against you. From Tottenham's perspective, they'd be looking at going. I spoke to two Tottenham fans at the weekend, and they they still are bitter about the penalty decision in the first minute. Yeah. And you would see that as a, a small moment that goes against your football club that that help that hampers your ability to to win, mm. and that's what my take on all this is a bit like. We've been competitive. We've been we've been competitive with silverware. Mm-hmm. There's no there's no I don't believe that the recruitment because it's unpro it's an unprovable thing. So I'll I'll back on my general belief in football. We could be sat here with two or three Premier League titles and three European Cups and a Europa League and, a, and probably a couple more little mm. trinkets along the way, theoretically, because we got up, we played ourselves with what we had and how we were built into those situations. Mm. And another team did us. If we were to have the same funding as Manchester City, there's every chance they still win the games that they win. There's no more, gar- it was, there's no more guarantee of more silverware 
just because we've got the same as Manchester City. If that the, makes sense, you're right. But so so I think it's that that coming so close thing almost makes it more unpalatable for a lot of people because it is that what might have been. I'm not just yeah. talking about individual matches here. I think the why the point on that is when you look at the seasons, the COVID year. Obviously, we lost all our centre halves. Those seasons almost stand out, and this one we're living in right now with the midfielders and recruitment. They're the ones people look at. They don't look at individual games and go, "Oh, if we had another midfielder, we'd have beat them there." That's not it for me for me it's more what could have been had when we were successful when we just won the league when we just won the Champions League if we'd have gone again at yeah. that point and that's what really riles people up the wrong yeah, way sure. that's coming so close time and time again and you're right we've been competitive over and over again almost against the odds in many senses with Jurgen Klopp at the helm yeah. but like I say it's that what might have been and had we been miles adrift more often than not of City in the years we hadn't won the league, people might just go, oh yeah, well they're really good and we're not. But the fact we were a point behind them, everyone goes, oh, what if we'd have done X? I, you know? So, so I, I, on the transfer stuff, I think it's interesting because I've, I've always, you, you, you take time and that's been the interesting thing about Jürgen and the ownership is it's a bit like, just breathe and, and, and give it, judge it on a full season. Don't make don't make huge you know massive uh, analysis of analyses of what's going on mid season because you know there's lots of stuff that, that happen, but I I can agree with that point and that's I think and I think this is a big crux for most people in this state when it comes down to just what's being invested on the pitch because as much as I can look at it and go. I, the decision to wait for Virgil van Dijk makes perfect sense. Yeah. That is a huge win. We've bought the best centre-half in f- football history. And if we'd bought someone else in the summer, we wouldn't have done that. And we might have just bought another Dejan Lovren. Mm-hmm. And that might have not be, we might have not been able to kick on it as a result. And you know, and again, Alison Becker, the key big signings that we've made and waiting for them. Waiting for Ibu Kanate now, a year on, or 18 months, two years on really, from when we needed a centre-half looks inspired because I can see him being Liverpool's main centre half now for the next five plus years you know we've got an heir apparent now to a a great centre back pairing in in, in Van Dijk and Matip but that's the difference when you when you boil it back is we couldn't buy Canate in the summer when we needed a centre half so we made do and mended and we did it with the left back thing where we had Milner at left back for a bit Mm -hmm. and it's I'm laissez-faire about this because I always say it's like it's like for example when you've had kids you stop worrying about all the birds that you never that you never asked out and all the missed opportunities in your life prior to that because once you have kids you become aware that there are an infinite amount of circumstances that conspire towards that child existing so you would never change a single moment you wouldn't change it you wouldn't damage a single blade of grass in your past mm-hmm. for risk of not having that that person in your life so you you get to detach yourself from the past and I'm a bit like that with how Liverpool have succeeded but a, 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 an ownership group that had more money would have, and like Man City and we talked about this the £50 million player chain in the Covid season would have just bought a centre half and then gone yes we want Canate but who gives a shit mm. we'll just we'll just sell this player on in the summer we'll buy Canate anyway and we'll get rid of this guy and that's that's where we've fallen foul, Steve. Yeah. Is that the fact that we've had to wait for the perfect player to come mm. along, and we're in danger of doing it again this season with Bellingham, for example, or Anchoumani? Is that we are we are by not being able to speculate more in the transfer market, we that might be the thing that's cost us the opportunity to beat City more. Well, often. There's a couple of things there. Football fans are fickle, aren't they? So when you talk about the games we didn't win, they they start looking at probability and the probability of buying a whole load of players to 
pad out your squad means you have a greater chance of winning those games and they're, they're very quick to go back and say we could have done this and we could have done yeah. that would have could have should there's no way to be to run a football club or be or be a, a sort of a pragmatic football fan um, with regards to the, the second point you made there we've never been a club that does short term fixes Manchester United in recent years have just had a, a a quantity of players they can do nothing with in terms of build a system and understand passages of play and have an identity yeah. we don't yeah. go and buy Skirin half for instance into Milan because we need a centre half just mm. put him in there and if it doesn't work it doesn't matter it, and you, you, you talk about Manchester City doing the, the, the defender the £50 million thing yeah. Cancelo comes as part of a deal that saw a £50 million fullback in Danilo go yeah. to Juventus and money yeah. we've never been able to do that yeah. FSG have never allowed us to do that and quite a lot of our fans wouldn't want us to do that. Mm -hmm. So you're quite right. It's it's the business model that you work with, and this is the thing that's is going to open up and be unveiled in the future. There is a possibility we might become that that very business model. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the advice. I think it's interesting because you, you mentioned United there and what they've been very scattergun in their approach. And so have Man City in a lot of senses. They've got better actually in recent years. There was a long time where City were just churning out fifty million pound fullbacks. It simply didn't matter. Mm -hmm. I do think though on that we wouldn't be quite as chaotic in our approach and with Jurgen Klopp we'd always be a little bit more reserved but if you just get it's like you've got Klopp you've got Jurgen Klopp just give him that little yeah. bit extra and with him you can create absolutely wonderful things and that's not to say he hasn't done already because he has but just it's 90% to there I keep saying it, it's 90% there just push it that tiny bit more I, I it's funny because I, when I look at it from, I'm a business owner so yeah. I, I, I think of things from a business perspective as well as an emotional perspective. But, but as a good example of it is like, so let's say how Redman TV's run is that we want to be a self-sustaining business. You know, we want to be able to, and we want to be able to grow. And you want to be able to add the money that the and people who've watched us for years will be able to see where we were 13 years ago is wild the difference of where we are now. You know, we've been able to invest back in the business, invest in the equipment, facilities, all the, all those kind of things. Um, and, I, and it's to the point where when I initially started it was all being funded out of my back pocket and now it's a proper business it's a mm -hmm. legitimate business but because it's also my passion project if something comes along where it's like oh I actually kind of really want to do that there are circumstances where I would I would be happy to fund it out of my own pocket to make to make things happen it doesn't happen very often there's no need for it for it to happen but that's the thing that we've kind of lacked of just that percentage of yeah. someone and again maybe that it's, it's it is the detachment from the sporting side a little bit that you don't want I don't think you want someone who's hands on too much because honestly when you hear stories about the Abramovich stuff you need I, I like the fact that Jürgen Kloss has been given breathing room give the manager trust, let him do things. It's allowed him to make more sensible decisions in what mm -hmm. he's done. He doesn't need to, to constantly claw for success and that pressure builds a toxic, negative atmosphere. That's why Conte doesn't stick around loads of football clubs. That's why Mourinho doesn't, why Rafa Benitez combusts everywhere he goes because he, he's always under... He feels the pressure more acutely, whereas if you're given time and breathing room, you can you can you can you can flourish more. Mm. So I think that's been a been a positive. But there is just that thing: if you just had someone who just was a bit more like, you know what, fuck it, go on, go on, go go on. This, just this just this summer, let's just do something wild. Yeah, and let's see and let's see if that gives us that little bit. I, you know, because and, and that's what we're made, we're lacking and. and that's something that FSG have lacked, I think, because I think it when it comes down to a borderline with a line on a spreadsheet, mm. it's not an emotional run thing. And I think and sometimes that's helped us. I'm so skeptical when it comes to fan ownership on stuff because we're all fucking lunatics. Yeah. We're all we would all and it goes that's the thing. 
we would all have rioted over Kenny. None of us would have sacked Kenny Daglish. But if you don't sack Kenny Daglish, you don't get Brendan Rodgers. You don't put the foundations of the football style of passing passing play in 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 place. And then you don't sack him, and you don't get Jurgen Klopp. And it's it's everything has a knock on effect. Everything yeah. leads into everything. Every lot, so many decisions look mental at the time. And we're such emotional creatures around our football club that we would be at the barricades over all kinds of silly things at all at all hours of the day and making wild, crazy decisions. But I just think this. I just think don't think effort. And we'll we'll talk about. We've still got who we want as the owners. We've still got the fun stuff. And I can see. I can. I'm actually get. I feel. I feel like I can get a sense of excitement. So it would be nice to get someone who just has. Just puts. Five percent more fun back into the whole thing, mm-hmm. and every now and again just goes. Yeah, I said, just has that moment. And just goes. Okay, so the budget is hundred million for this summer, but what would it if I gave you two hundred and fifty? Can't do this every year, but if I gave you two fifty this year, what would that would that make a difference to what we're doing? And I and again, <clears throat> maybe that's a flight of fancy, and that's the difference between me is I think FSG have been. Fine. Mm-hmm. I think they've been absolutely sound. I think, you know, culturally, I think not them, because I think we have to remember that they are not Liverpool Football Club. They're just the bank that funds, you know what I mean? That the, There's just people that own it. Liverpool actually exists in a separate entity, and it's why there's nothing's really going to happen to Liverpool in the next year if it doesn't sell, sell because it's a self sustaining business. Mm-hmm. Billy Hogan effectively is the guy is the guy who runs Liverpool Football Club. It's up to him, you know. The money the the money in Liverpool stays in Liverpool, which yeah. is the beauty of it. Is that any sales stuff is not going to destabilize Liverpool, except maybe if the fans lose their heads on on things, it can continue to do that. But yeah, it's um, yeah, that's my that's what I think that I think they've been okay. I think you can't detach the success they've had. They could have made they could have been a bit more switched on and a bit more in tune with the with the culture and all and that, you- but. It's been a brilliant ride. I don't think you can, yeah. you know, I, I, and, I, and it's easy to say you lucked out with Jurgen Klopp. I think that's that feels a bit churlish to say. You know what I mean? I, th- I don't think you get to if you're gonna if you're gonna criticise for mistakes, you've got to look at the, the positives. And they've doubled down on that as well with new contracts as yes, well, haven't they? Absolutely, so absolutely big, money, yeah. big money contracts. Yeah. So also, also they one of the very to be competing at the level we've competed in the hat for all of the big prizes at the end of each season. We're the club that runs with the lowest losses. So the business model has been prudent from a financial point of view, leading back to the eventual sale of the football club. I think the fans want to see clubs take a little bit more of a risk That's and operate it. a little closer to the model that, 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 not necessarily United, but the model that, say, Spurs have spent loads of money, haven't they? Yeah. They, they operate with a little bit more loss in their business, and football's one of the only businesses where you can do that. Yeah. And yeah. It, just to say on this, it really shines a light on how frugal our owners are and just how risk-adverse they are when the times are really hard. So when we lost all our centre-backs and we went through January and all of a sudden we ended up with Kabak and Davis, that's when it really sort of pinpointed. And the same could be said, like I said earlier on, for this summer, pretty much everyone and probably Klopp as well behind closed doors was crying out for that extra midfielder. Yeah. We did nothing and then got Arthur Mello on deadline day on loan and that, yes. that really pinpoints exactly. it. Also, in addition to a, a piss-poor start to the season, which, which we'll never know because of the whole the psychological hangover of the season before, the physiological yeah, yeah. hangover and... Obviously, and then injuries additionally, which I know, we, we, you know, a shock horror and Abby Cater was injured. Who, who could possibly have seen that coming? Um, but you're right, it, it looks it looks a bit like it's all going tits up at once. And then, you, yeah, you, you, you're searching for the reasons on it and stuff. But you're right. I still look at it. And when I, look at the, I look at the recruitment policy and I said this the other day. I look at who we've bought in and we've refreshed the defence. We've refreshed the attack. Mm. We haven't refreshed the midfield. 
but it's obvious and it's clear that they want to. But if you're going to do that, you want to do that at the same quality that you've done with buying Canate in and buying. I mean, okay, Costa Shimic has been bought in as, a, as cover, but look how good he is for for cover. Darwin Nunes, Diaz, Jota have all been brought in to refresh yeah. the Firmino, Salah, Mane from three. The next job, it's just there. It's just like it's like when you've decorated your house and you've gone through every room and your living rooms. The last one, it looks like an absolute shithole. Mm. It's just that unfortunately, you know, most of us when we're doing when we're living within our means. Have, you have to do it as a gradual, as a sort of gradual process. It would be nice if, if you know, if we could Liverpool because it means so much more to us. And ultimately, it's not our money going into it. It'd be lovely if we could find someone to be to to take that step beyond. Thank you so much for checking out this big debate that we've done this week. Obviously, it's the biggest talking point possibly in modern history of Liverpool Football Club, what happens next uh, with the Liverpool ownership and what that means. Um, the rest of the debate show is available on Redmen Plus, where we did discuss what type of owners we, we hope will take over custodianship of the football club. A little bit on the excitement that could be generated if they get that right. Uh, we've also got extra shows as well around this. I chatted to Jamie Carragher and Gary Neville to get their reaction to the news. Uh, and we also did a special, the FSG Apologist special, with Neil Atkinson from the Anfield Rap. And there is a Redman Reacts. Tons of this, and there will continue to be it when it breaks over on redmenplus.com. So, if you want more podcasts, more videos, and more in depth knowledge and insight on what's going on at Liverpool right now, then please do head over to redmenplus.com and sign up. And if you sign up right now as well, you're going to get two free tickets to our live show on Sunday afternoon in Liverpool. Uh, so, yeah, perfect time to join us in a period of excitement, uncertainty, craziness, madness, and yeah, a World Cup as well. Um, but yeah, hope to see you over on redmenplus.com in a bit.